This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Special Friday night edition of ESPN New York Tonight. The Mets have a general manager. I mean, like, really? He was hired today, and we talk about it right now at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Along with Brian the Brain and JP, we're here until Weekend Wager with Anita Marks at 10 p.m. on ESPN New York. Hi, Gordon. Larry, how you feeling, my friend? I can hear the optimism. Oh. I can hear the excitement, oh. the joy. I can hear it in your voice. We got a GM. We got a GM. We got a GM. Hope well, look, you work. got a GM, but what do you usually so, should say oh, when we start no, the show at, on, at 10 Gordon, o'clock? Please, you you usually say, let's go to work. So now Billy Epler, it's great that he's hired. Welcome to the family. Here's your office. Here's the you know your ID to get into the building and all that. Now it's time to go to work. He's, he he's going to make up building. for things, right? He doesn't need to get into the building, Gordon. He can work at Zoom. That's how much work he's got to do. He will need to get into the building. Fire up the Zoom. Let's go. Let's yeah. get this done. And no. the first thing he should do is look for a manager. And here's what a former manager – of the New York Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles, Buck Showalter said about the hiring of Billy Epler on the MLB Network earlier today. The one thing as a Mets fan, what you want in your general manager and a manager for that standpoint is that you care about the team as much as I do. You know, they want to know when they wake up that this guy's he's touching every uh, possible angle to make the Mets better. Are you engaged? Does it mean as much to you as it does to them? They're the one that gets up and reads their, all the Mets transactions and thinks about the offseason, what's going on, have you. And they got somebody like that in Billy because Billy, Billy's engaged and he loves to compete. And, uh, and they also think they got a real ethical guy who, uh, you know, is going to do the right moral thing uh, as a tiebreaker. And I would love to work for him. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to throw that in there. But, but you know what? Uh, Gordon Buck is right. That, that's, what you want. that's what you want your GM to be. You want him to be as invested as you are. Yeah, and he's a guy that knows him very well, came up in the same organization, right, and uh, spent plenty of time together. And it seems like the last couple of years people have mentioned the name Buck Showalter. And I guess what, what was the last year he managed? Like 2017, 2018, yeah, somewhere so. around there yes. with the Orioles. Mm-hmm. So he's been, he's been out there. He's been available. I think it's pretty clear he would like to manage again. Mm-hmm. And I would think that since that time, whenever it was the last time he managed, this would be his best opportunity, right? I, I mean, agree. here's a guy he knows, works with, likes. Seems like it's, it's mutual. So who knows? Maybe Buck Showalter could very well be the next Mets manager. It would be nice. I, I have no problems with him. I'm, I'm interested to see who some of the other people that are on uh, Billy Epler's list. I saw an interview with him on SNY, and he spoke about the fact that he does have a list, kind of a list, and there's people he has on there, obviously. And it's a list that, you know, it's one of those lists going like, if I ever got to be, if whenever I work again, here's some people I would like to work with as a manager because what happens is, as you know, Gordon, when you're, you know, you, you, you're looking around, you're going to different places and different teams you're having conversations and you know you're, you're always preparing for that next job and so you always want to know these are the type of players that I would love to work with and just listening to uh, Mark Feinsand who was on the K show earlier talking about how in his opinion 
Stearns would be the guy that the Mets would want to run the president of baseball ops, but he probably won't be available till next year. Um, that leads me to believe that, you know, Epler has kind of an idea of who he wants and he'll be able to make that decision uh, on his own. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see what route they go. It seems like a lot of teams have gone down the no-experience, former player, first-time manager route. Uh, and then recently, some established teams, Astros, White Sox, they have gone with the, the established manager, the, 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 the prototypical manager of you know, 15, 20 years ago with Dusty, um, Baker being in, in Houston, La Russa in Chicago. It's interesting to see which way they decide to go. Do they look at, I mean, if you're Billy Epler, right, and you want to come in and establish, like, let's not worry about David Stearns and the possibility of him down the road if he comes here. If you're Billy Epler and you're like, you know what, this is my one chance, and I'm going to hire, I'm not going to hire somebody that I don't know that can do the job or how they're going to do the job or what issues they're going to have doing the job. I know exactly what Buck Showalter brings to the table. I know him well. We have a good relationship why wouldn't he be at the mm-hmm. top of your list? I agree because this is your this is your second chance, okay? And and you want to show that you've learned some things from the last opportunity, right? And we're copying once again where where the trends are. And as you mentioned, Gordon, correctly, the trends are going back to that established manager who, yes, will will doesn't mind using sabermetrics, but is not going to live and die by sabermetrics and. Personally, speaking for me as a Met fan, hallelujah, <laughs> if yeah. he's the manager. Hallelujah. Well, well look, I, you know, that's going to be a conversation they're going to have to have. But, you know, just look at all that had to take place for Billy Epler to get a second chance. I know. Well, think about all the names they ran through, all the people that turned the Mets down. So this is a second chance. Like, he's not probably going to get a third one. Like, this is no. last chance cafe. This is last days of disco, man. What you gotta, it's like when Bill Parcells talked about when he had that first year with the Giants, he was like, you know what? If I make it to a second year, uh-huh. I am doing things the way I want to do them. I think you have to, if you're Billy Epler, now look, he has to work within the structure of the organization, what the other people want. But if you have a say, if you have, you know, you can bang on the table for somebody, this would be the guy you would think that he would be banging on the table for. Can you imagine you're Billy Epler and you're like, the Mets haven't called me? <laughs> you mean they've called everybody else the Mets haven't called me I can't, I can't get a job with the Mets the job that everybody's turning down they won't call me what, what's going on with that I mean he had to be it had to be something that's just making him shake his head yeah had to be. I, and it's funny you know you see these these articles about the list of people that the, the you know managerial possibilities five six names people that are out there I saw one that had Brad Osmus on the list Billy Epler hired Brad Osmus. That was like the one move he got to make with the Angels, and he fired him a year later. Like, I can't imagine that that's going to be – like, if if you were like, okay, this is my last chance, basically. I know he just started, but this is like my la- – I got to get this right. I do not have any more lifelines here. I got to get this right. That's not the way I'm going. I'm going with, you know, I know for sure what this person brings to the table – I know what they do well, and I know what they don't do well. That's the pro- Like, if you go the inexperienced route, if you go the, the former player route that's never managed before, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see what the good parts are, but you might not know what the – like, yes, the inexperienced part is something you know going in, but there might be other flaws that you don't know because the person's never done the job before. So I would think yeah. that 
Uh, I know Buck's name has been thrown out there a lot. A lot of times I don't think that it's very realistic. I think it is realistic. If he wants to manage again, if that's something he wants to throw himself back into at the age of 65, I think this might be his best last chance to do so. I agree. I agree. Uh, Steve Cohen weighed in on Billy Epler's hire. We'll hear from that. Plus, this is our, Gordon, this is our hot stove baseball hour. Up until 8 o'clock, talk a little baseball. Brian Cashman spoke again. Buster Olney's got some thoughts about the Yankees, what they're going to do with shortstop. Noah Syndergaard spoke about his life with the uh, Mets. So we got a lot of baseball to talk about this hour. Yankees making some moves as well, letting some guys go. Yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier? Yeah, I was surprised by that one. I was shocked. Yeah, I well, was look, shocked. We, we've been talking about that the deadline is tonight, so they got to get, uh, you know, those. Not, I'm sure that they would like to have kept those guys. You know, it's funny. I saw the reaction online to the names that the Yankees released, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, Clint Frazier, wow, shocked. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Tyler Wade, he just had like his yeah. best run as a Yankee, surprising. Exactly. Not one single person's like, Rugnan Odor, we lost Odor. <laughs> we lost Rugi. <laughs> no, not one single person. I was just came back from the MLB owner meetings, and I can tell you that just universal praise for the hiring. I mean, people coming up up to me from everywhere saying that we got a real pro, well-liked in the industry, well-respected. And so, um, listen, I'm excited. It, listen, I put a lot of time into this. And I, like I always say, I've got a day job. So it's a, it's a relief to get somebody that I feel really good about. And just based on our conversations, I think he's going to be an easy person to work with. So uh, I really look forward to the whole team getting going here and filling our needs. Yeah, you did put in the work and take a long time to get him, but <laughs> Billy Epler is now the Mets general manager. That's the old owner, Steve Cohen, bringing us back on ESPN New York tonight, special edition on this Friday night. Hardesty and Damon with you till 10. And, Gordon, listen, I think that's important because I we joke about how long it took them, you know, and it did take them a long time. But seriously, when you look at the at the bad hires in the GM spot previously – and what happened by failed GM moves and uh, you know issues off the field and you know stuff of that nature. Take your time, get it right. If if you're going to take your time, get the job right. Yeah, I I I mean Steve Cohen has to know that no matter who he hired, people were going to be coming up to him. Nobody was going to come up to him and say, "You hired that guy? Oh my God, I can't believe it! You hired that! Wow, what a mess you got!" Of course, they're going to come up to you and say, that. Well, what a great hire. Love the hi- great job, Steve. I mean, that's what anybody would say in that situation, even if they don't necessarily believe it. Now, I don't know. Maybe Billy Epler will turn out to be the right choice. There's plenty of times in sports that the first choice, something goes sideways with that first choice. You have a fallback option, and the fallback option turns out to be the better option. So it makes for a good story. I don't know necessarily that the 15th option is usually the one that turns out to be the right one, but we shall see. Stranger things have happened for sure. Well, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, Cohen's fault. It was he was became the 15th option. The other 14 told we him don't no. know that. I mean, we don't know. Maybe there is a little bit of you know this guy Steve Cohen. I don't know if I want to go put myself mm-hmm. in that situation. And and the name the fact that the name David Stearns has been out there and it's like such an open secret. Mm-hmm. I think that that probably was weighing on a lot of people like, hey, am I going to go and move my family across yeah. the country? Am I going to go and invest in this for a year when a year from now? And it kind of seems like a running theme. Like last year, we were talking about the free agents. 
mm-hmm. right? Be it, um, be it with, um, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. The short, the, the center fielder that signed with the Blue Jays um, that, from the Astros. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But I mean, that deal was Springer. out there. Springer, right? Uh, George Springer. That deal was out there. It seemed like the Mets were going to be the team that definitely signed him and and didn't sign him. There was a bunch of those last year, and you, it makes you wonder, like, what's going on? Why is it that people? seem like it's lined up for the Mets, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out that way. So I don't know. I think, obviously, it's probably more than just one thing, but the owner might be it might be part of it there. It could be. It could be him. There's no question about it. Well, one thing we know, with what he's been, all the hard work he's done and all the behind-the-scenes digging, Gordon, he's not concerned about Epler's character. We've done our due diligence, and it's an organization. Uh, you know, Billy's just one person in that organization. Uh, we vetted it, you know, in, in multiple ways. We spoke to a lot of people that were around the organization at that time. We spoke to people within baseball. We're incredibly comfortable with Billy and his decision making, and his ethics, and his integrity. All right, Steve. Now that this is done, what are the off-season plans going forward? All right, that'll wrap that up. Okay. Yeah, he's got no offseason. Listen, play. I'm going to listen to our people and their recommendations. Our budget today, without even signing anybody, is already at 185 million or so. If we're going to find the right type of talent, it's going to probably be either trades with other clubs or free agents. You know, we don't really have a lot in our farm system to supplement what we need. It's going to require probably spending, and uh, that's what's going to happen. And I've let Billy know that I'm I'm willing to uh, for the right deals and the right free agents to go and get the players we need. We want to be competitive. We want to win our, win our division and, and be in the playoffs and, and and get deep into the playoffs, right? So we've got to field a team that has the ability to do that. And so uh, I've let Billy and Sandy know that it's whatever they need. And you know, I'm, I'm open to their suggestions and recommendations. And, and I mean, the goal is to put a very competitive team on the field. So I wonder how this conversation goes, Gordon, because just from my, just on my opinion, I think Epler is going to be like the 17-year-old that wants the Maserati, and and uh, Sandy's going to be the dad that says, "No, you're not getting that son. <laughs> what? Well, get, get a better, get get a car that's that's more sensible for what you want to do." Well, look, if if what the owner is saying is to be taken at face value. I mean, they kind of have to be super active, right? If he's saying we don't have the pieces in our farm system that are going to help us out and we have to go through trades and free agents, well, generally, if you're going to be making trades, you're going to be moving some of the pieces in your farm system in those trades. So that kind of leans on free agency more so than even the trades. And the way it looks like free – I mean, there's a bunch of free agents this year. The shortstops is not really a concern for the Mets because they got their guy there and they might be bringing back Baez as well. Mm -hmm. But they need pitching. I mean, they said they need two or three pitchers now with the loss of Syndergaard, the fact that um, that um, Stroman's a free agent. They have to go out and supplement their starting rotation, and there is a bunch of starters that are available, so they have to be active in that route. And uh, the fact that the owner says it's going to be about spending money, okay, well, you're the guy to take care of that. Shoot the locks off the wallet and let's go. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit more than you did last year, please. A little yes. bit more? Yeah. A little bit more? Go to the phones, Gordon. 1-800-919-3776. Jack is in Manhattan. He starts us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Jack. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Jack. Hello? Hey, yeah, Jack. we're here, Jack. Go ahead, Go ahead. Hey. Yeah, yeah. So great to have two talents like you guys uh, at the helm tonight. Um, I, I want to raise an issue. I, I don't – look, 
don't take this as I discount how important the GM is in terms of like, hey, he's like 10 degrees better than the next guy next to him. I think the issue is more how how does someone deal with the fact, and I, I don't know where I heard this, in the K show or somewhere else, some baseball person said it in the, in the press, that the problem with the Mets are the players have been in control of the clubhouse and the culture for too long. And I, look, I don't know anything, but if I look at it and I see guys all the way back to Reyes and I see, uh, what's his name, currently at shortstop, I, I can kind Lindor. of see how that's possible. And so how does this GM slash new manager combination change, deal with that? Like, that's my metric, not Billy is, uh, you know, 10 years versus 12 years or this guy, that. How do you fundamentally change the culture? Well, it starts with your. It's an interesting question, Jack. Thanks for the phone call. It, it starts with your with your GM and your manager. With what type of players do you bring into that clubhouse, right, Gordon? You, you're setting a tone. You're trying to change the culture. Yes, we understand that Lindor's there, and Lindor is obviously one of the leaders on this team. There's no question about that. But you know, once again, that's where your manager has to come in, and he sprinkles in coaches that allows guys to have a way to feel comfortable or be able to speak with other coaches who can relay the situation to the managers or as they, you know, build a relationship and have themselves. It's really because it's the manager that's in that clubhouse for 12 to 14 hours a day. He's the one that has to set the tone there. Yeah. And I would just say that I would think that like to, to face any problem that you have, you first have to admit you have a problem. I I don't Mm -hmm. know that the Mets want to necessarily change that. Uh, it certainly doesn't seem like they wanted to change that based on last year with the Lindor and the Baez and the thumbs down stuff. So uh, I, I would think that, you know, as you mentioned, Lindor is going to be he's going to be here a very long time. He <laughs> you is. got nine more years here and uh, he's he's the face of the franchise. So if if you've kind of turned over that power to him in that clubhouse, uh, I think that that's going to be something you're going to have to live with. Now, maybe you can. You can mitigate it to a certain degree by the manager you bring in, maybe some other players that you bring in, but uh, I don't know necessarily that the Mets view, like if we think it's the issue, I don't know that the Mets think it's the issue. And it's interesting, and Bias is kind of like the first lieutenant, right? Yeah. If he stays along, he's going to, he's like co-marching orders with Lindor. So it would be interesting to see how this goes and and how the clubhouse would revolve and, and changes. But once again, it depends on who else you bring in. And that's why you have to bring in, in my opinion, you bring in somebody that's won some rings, Gordon, then they kind of take over the clubhouse. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they've won. And so rings, jewelry, hardware kind of puts you, depending on the player, hardware can change that culture about winning because they've done it. So they kind of, what they say kind of goes. And so you maybe, maybe you got a power struggle or something of that nature. But look, uh, what what does DPH always say? The winning is the best deodorant. If these guys start winning, it, it won't matter who's doing what. It's the fact that they haven't won. It's the fact that when they go into these long swoons and they and they come out as we say, here we go again with the Mets, no hitting or no pitching or here's the bullpen, the issues. That's what causes that situation to even further in the clubhouse because they're losing. And then people start thinking, okay, well, lo- we're losing because this guy's doing something or that guy's doing something. And so it makes the situation worse. I- I'm interested to see what happens with Baez. Because I am too. It, yeah, I mean, when that whole thing went down, it was like, wow, he's not going to be back. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know that for sure. Now, it would seem a little strange that with all the other things you have to do that you're going to bring him back at the price tag that he's going to require, which looks like it's probably going to be like $200 million. That's not Oof. cheap. No. Um, and, and now you're going to have like half a billion dollars <laughs> oh in your middle infield. That's a that's a big chunk, of, uh, big chunk of change. But that kind of tells you where they're at as an organization. Like maybe if, if he comes back, obviously they didn't have that big of an issue with it if they're bringing him back. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. One of the other guys who used to have kind of an interesting reign in that clubhouse is Noah Syndergaard. We'll hear what he has to say now that he's a former Met. That's next. I never got that sort of vibe from them at all. I just knew that they had a lot on their plate and a lot going on with them in search of finding a GM. But I just really appreciated the way that Perry came with a game plan that was extremely thorough and with all the resources. And I, I felt really confident in that. That was Noah Syndergaard answering the question, did you feel like the Mets didn't really want you? It's a special Friday edition of ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Hardly staying Damer until 10. And Gordon, it's interesting to hear about Noah Syndergaard. And it just sounds like he doesn't really have any ill will towards the Mets. It's just something that didn't work out, which is, you know, the way it's supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, I think it, it probably works out fine for both sides because, A, he has to go where he feels like he's got the best deal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, with, with as much time as he's missed the last couple of years, who knows where he is in two more years. So he, he this is kind of like bottom line time to kind of rebuild his value, rebuild his career coming off the surgery that he had. So he had to find the best deal out for, there for him. The Mets do did have a lot of stuff going on trying to find a GM, and this is one of the things that falls through the cracks. Now, I don't think it's the the biggest loss in the world for the Mets because they were already kind of without him anyway. He missed the. I mean, he has not basically pitched the last two years, so uh, they have plenty of other options and plenty of other avenues they can go down with all the pitchers that are available in free agency. They have an owner who wants to spend some money, so uh, this might be the type of thing that works out well for both sides. Absolutely. He made some other comments, but we'll – Hear them in a moment. First, let's hear from Spike in St. Pete. He's next on 98.7. Hey, my guys, or all guys. I don't want to steal my buddy Buddha's line. Great to hear you. I have a Billy Epler comment. Mm -hmm. First, I'm going to ask him if he can play point guard, and that, that's going to be a quick no. Mm -hmm. And you guys you guys were fans of the or all fans of the Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Okay. Remember when Gleason found the, the money, which turned out to be counterfeit in the back of the bus, and he spent it like that proverbial drunken sailor, mm -hmm. even to his mother-in-law, give the old bat a few bucks, send it to Florida. Mm -hmm. This is what I would do for the Mets. Enough playing nice. Give the guy and uh, go in and have all the free agents there and buy everybody. You know what? Maybe he treaded lightly the first year trying to abide by the, the, the boys club. You know, there's a lot of talk about that, right? You read mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And uh, just, just buy them all up, man. Buy them all up. Fill that joint up. And by the way, Noah Syndergaard is a Guinness holder. The highest paid per inning pitcher in the history of baseball. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, not too many innings, yeah. right? Yeah, he could have <laughs> done a lot less and still been that, that, had that That's title. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, good riddance. I, I just, I was, I get tired of those antics. You know, I really do. Uh, there's no envy. I'm a Yankee guy at heart. You know that, Gordon. But Larry, you know how I feel about you. I want the Mets to do well. Um, give them an open checkbook and let's stop all this already. You know. My
old wine that I use a thousand times and I'm afforded to use it. There's life is short and so is monkey's bogues. But uh, just go out and buy everybody. What do you got to lose? You know, it's like, uh, what does Kay call it? Ashtray money or couch mm-hmm. money? Yeah. Just buy the guys. Get a guy like, I don't know what Alderson knows anymore. Uh, Epler, uh, the, the, he's, his, his track record with Artie Marino, who doesn't have uh, Cohen's money. But uh, he's worth three, four billion dollars, I guess. I guess so. Go out and get what you need. You know what's the difference now, anyway? Just get what you need. So listen, while I got you on, I got to do uh, one quick thing. And thanks for the time. It was a real treat for me to listen to you guys. Uh, you know, unabated tonight. So I, I, I broke down the Nick game, Larry. I want mm-hmm. you to roll this around. When you get the basketball, you could talk about it. And we exchanged notes today you and i mm-hmm. and it was it was if it was if we were the same person writing it <laughs> and, and, and that's good that's good you know maybe both ccmy guys and gordon i feel the same way about you i the thing that bothered me and i'll take the baseball time and get off stepping out of bounds in the fourth quarter yeah yeah now if Kevin Durant had the 19 shoe on, maybe. But I got so I don't get aggravated with this stuff. I, you know, you're very complimentary of me, Larry, and I appreciate it. I get emotional, but I, I think I'm fairly focused when I call. Mm-hmm. I'm angry Absolutely. sometimes, and it's it's, yeah. it's raw. How do you step out of bounds twice? Why did he bring Julius Randle back in? I'll wait until you get the basketball, but listen to him screaming, as you say, Larry, Obi, Obi. Obi deserves to stay in that game. He does. So when you get to the basketball, leave it. And the last thing, I don't know what your schedule is next week, boys, but I'm thankful for everybody at the station and nobody more than you two guys. And I want to make sure I say that to you not knowing the schedule. And uh, whatever contribution us regulars make to the program, you really help us uh, elevate it. And we're all grateful to you if I could be the senior citizen speaker. So thanks, and let me hear your remarks. All right, Spike, thanks for the kind words. That's very nice of you. Gordon, when you asked me about the honeymoons, I thought he was going to say, do I want to go up to Steve Cohen and go bang, zoom, (laughs) (laughs) to get this squared away. But listen, um, this is going to be be the challenge, Gordon, and it is, and I respect him for saying I don't want to spend money like a drunken sailor because you can really mess up your team by putting the wrong person in and overpaying them. And it's not so much the money, Gordon, it's the years. Yep, right? absolutely. It's, 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 you can pay them a lot of money, but, but make, make, don't make the years eight, nine, ten years, and so, which means seven, eight, nine, and ten, the, the, the contract is just you want to just, just tear it up and burn it, but you can't. So they've got to be strategic. What do you need? Okay, uh, Epler, in the interview I saw earlier, Gordon, excerpts of that indicated that he, he knows he needs pitching. And he knows he needs maybe two, as many as three guys to fill up the innings that they're going to need. Okay, so we have that. We, that's kind of his thought process there. And you got to figure out what you're doing in the outfield and the infield. What's happening with this outfield? Is Nimmo going to be your center fielder? Are you going to get, you know, Marte, who seems to be going to everybody's team? Is he going to come yeah. here and play center? Do you move Nimmo to left? Then what happens to, to your right fielder? Okay, well, Conforto's out. Is that where, you know, we, we bring in some folks? Uh, you know, Chris Bryant, is that where he goes? What happens at third base? What are you doing there? So these are the things that, and we haven't even talked about the bullpen, Gordon. 
So these are some of the things that they have to decide. What are the priorities? What are the must-haves? And Gordon, for those must-haves, you're going to have to spend. And then for the other stuff, maybe you can trade. Maybe you can do some other things to get the well-roundedness of your team. Yeah, well, look, it, it's easy to go spend money, but I mean, if it if it were if it were easy to get the benefits of going out and just buying up a bunch of guys, the Angels would have a bunch of World Series titles, and maybe sure. the fact that Billy Epler was there kind of shows you, right? Like Artie Moreno has no problem going out and spending money, but they haven't got a lot of bang for the buck. So the the spending of the money is easy. Getting the value and getting more value than what you're spending. That's the hard thing that, you know, like some guys you can spend a lot of money on and you still get value. Like when Mookie Betts goes to the Dodgers and they re-sign him still getting value, even though he's making as much as he is. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you spend that money and you don't get the value back. Guys don't perform up to those numbers. And that's what it's all about. It's not just about spending money. It's about getting value out of what you're spending. And, and you just kind of look around at the Met. You're like, the one question that I have is where is Cano going exactly? Is he going back to second base? Is he going to be your second baseman next year? Is Jeff McNeil going to be out in left field? I don't know. Who's going in right field? I mean, for, uh, you know, they have some pieces in place. Obviously, Lindor's there. Alonzo's there, right? I mean, McCann's yeah. going to be behind the plate. It seems like Chris Bryant is at least a possibility at third base. I thought they mm-hmm. were going to get him before the trade deadline. So they went I. another way. But, yeah, they need pitching, clearly. They have to. It's, and it's not just about pitching. they got to bring back Stroman and then add more pitching. That's right. That's right. That's and not going to be cheap either. No, and you still got questions going, what about Dom Smith? Is, yep. he, is he back? Is he not back? What are we doing with him? Well, depend, I think it kind of depends on are you going to have the DH? Yeah. You if know. you have the DH, that kind of opens up a bunch of avenues for the Mets. Then that opens up for Cano being the DH maybe, maybe playing second every once in a while. But, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, look, we talked about it last night, as many issues as the Yankees have. Really, the Yankees have issues everywhere but left field and right field. You can mm-hmm. come up with some sort of question. The Mets aren't far behind in terms no. of that. Now, they have, the, they have the catcher. You assume he's going to be there. Alonzo's going to be there. Lindor's going to be there. But other than that, man, bunch of questions. Lots of questions. Lots of questions that you, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to get answers for. Right. You know, it's, and it's the biggest one is nothing to do with signings or trades or anything. It's, is Jacob deGrom going to be good to go to be Jacob deGrom next year? That's right. And that's a big one. Yeah. That's a huge no, one. And no one's got the answer to and that No one, one has the answer. No. no one has the answer. And you almost, Gordon, you almost have to look at it as if you're not going to have him for the full season. Oof. And that's hope that you one. do. I'm yeah. just saying you have to look yeah. at it that yeah. way. How, no, absolutely. I mean, he missed like four, what, he was on the injured list four times this year? He didn't Five? Pitch. He didn't pitch for the last, what, three months of the season? Yeah. So, I mean, how, how can I be sure I'm going to have him this year? I can be, I can hope. I, I, and I can't leave myself in that spot. That's why, as you mentioned, signing Strowman is imperative. Imperative. You've got to have, he's got to come back. There's no question about it. Got to come back. Gordon, maybe it's just me, but I think Brian is, this song is growing on Brian. You think? I mean, it's an older song to be growing on him. I mean, it's been around for a while. I know, but there's something about this song. I think he gets oh, him dancing in the studio or something. It's sensational. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's a great song. There's no right. question. You can't oh, go wrong with it. You can't go wrong. But I've noticed of late, he's been leaning on this a little bit. And, yeah. And then, you know, he doesn't know that we can actually see him. And so he's got his head moving around. He's doing a little it stuff. It puts you in a good there. mood. Uh-huh. Well, you, you are the good vibes, so we know. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Come on. You can't like if you hear this song and your toe doesn't start tapping. There's something wrong with you. You're a robot. You're 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 a weirdo. I mean, that's just 
It's like it's musical joy. It is. It is, which you spread all the time by bringing That's, people together. Larry, you know, Larry, with working together as much as we do, you now know, and you knew it beforehand, but you I definitely yes, know I now. Did. That That's oh. what I'm all about. I'm about spreading joy and bringing people together everywhere I go. And helping people win money. I, look, I, I have give, I this is a different audience. It's not yes. the 10 o'clock audience, so I should yes. let them know. Yes. Sunday, Jets, Dolphins, take everything you own. Take stuff that you don't own. Put it into Hawk. Get as much, get as big a pile of cash as you possibly can by hook or by crook and put it on the Jets. They are winning on Sunday. It is a lock. Gordon. Nothing that has happened this week has taken me off the fact that this is going to happen. It is preordained in the stars, Larry. It's fate. Now, to be fair, ladies and gentlemen, he said this before Joe Flacco was brought in to solve this unbelievably blitz-happy Dolphins defense. Oh, it's a, this is the 85 Bears, apparently, Larry. <laughs> and, and the only solution is Joe Flacco. Thank God that they made. You know what? They might have made the trade for Joe Flacco. Knowing. Knowing that the Dolphins were on the horizon. Yes. It's amazing. This Dolphins team that could barely stop the Houston Texans two weeks ago. But did a phenomenal job against Lamar Jackson. They did a phenomenal, like the blind squirrel finding the proverbial nuts. <laughs> they did do an amazing job against Lamar Jackson. And, and it cost Mike White a chance at stardom. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You, we're not putting you back in there, buddy. You no. almost screwed up the entire plan. Exactly. Look, you know, you threw four interceptions. And, and look, what, look what Lamar Jackson did. You're no Lamar Jackson. Right. So you're not playing on clearly. Sunday. No, clearly. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I mean, if only we had video of what uh, Joe Flacco had done against the Dolphin defense when, oh, actually we do. It was a 24 nothing loss last year. Basically, right. at this time last year, a 24 nothing loss where he threw the ball 44 times for a grand total of 183 yards. But not this defense. Not no, this no. scheme that has no. come back. Because your Dolphins, even though they were 10-6 and six last year, right. that defense did nothing like this to Lamar Jackson, what they did last week. By nothing. the way, Larry, I saw the greatest stat. Like, everybody's been talking about how bad the Jets' defense has been, particularly yes. the last four weeks. Do mm -hmm. you realize, in the last four weeks, the Jets' defense has given up more points then the 2,000 Ravens gave up the entire season. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> the entire year. The Jets did it in a month. Wow. It's unbelievable. Wow. It you know what? It tells the story. It tells you how bad the Jet defense is, and it tells you how great the Ravens defense was. Yeah, they were, they were sensational. It was. Absolutely. Oh it, was, oh, it was Ray Lewis and crew. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. We'll talk some more football next hour when we turn out to school. We haven't talked to a lot of the Giants this weekend. They've got a big game Monday night against Tampa, so I want to. we'll touch on that. But let's wrap up our hot stove baseball hour. And uh, let me just give you one from Noah Syndergaard before we turn our attention to the Yankees. And the question was asked of him, does he think he will be? He would have been back with the Mets, but the lack of a GM and manager was an issue? I mean, it definitely was in the back of my head a little bit. This is a really important year for me. This is kind of a make or break time for me. I didn't want to kind of gamble on that kind of uncertainty that has been going on with them. All right. So it, clearly it was an issue, but here's the bottom line. We all understand it, Gordon. We get it. 
They weren't paying him more than 18.4, and they were no. praying he wouldn't take that. They were hoping somebody would offer him more. Everybody's happy. He got more money. He's going to the West Coast. Wish him the best of luck. Hopefully for them, he could do what he didn't do here over the past couple of years, and that's be healthy. We'll see. Uh, it's a very strange spot for him to go and be banking. It like he's saying, he's banking his career on it. Yeah, <laughs> the Angels. That's a weird where It's a weird place to go bank your career, and it's a weird move for the Angels too. So hopefully mm-hmm. it works out for him. He's a good. He's a good uh, character to have in the game when he's right. But um, he has not been right in a very long time. He has not. Let's turn our attention to the New York Yankees, and going. We'll, we'll touch on the a couple of folks that they said goodbye to today. That was kind of surprising. But here's what Brian Cashman told NBC New York today: that last year, oh, he wanted to hide his eyes sometimes. As always, we are you know, fighting hard, constantly trying to, to, to put the best uh, product on the field and then get the maximum effort out of these players. I mean, the effort's always there. It's just the production, obviously, was, was flickering. Last year's team was tough to watch at times. We were, at times, we were unstoppable, and then, but uh, I said it before, and the other times we were unwatchable. And we got to flip that script and make sure that this thing stays more consistent and high end like they deserve. That's Brian Cashman talking to Bruce Beck. Bruce Beck is. Gordon, you Everywhere. know how long I've been watching Bruce Beck on TV in New York He's City? never aged a single day. He hasn't that. aged a day. He looks the same yeah, when he had the red jacket doing. at Madison Forget Square Forget about Garden. Tom Brady. He should, he should have BB <laughs> exactly or something, right? Exactly. Well, you know, that's why they call him Bubba. He's, he's still cool. He's still rolling around. Yeah. And he spoke with Brian Cashman and asked him, have you spoken with Korea, Sager, or Story? Well, we are definitely casting a wide net and having conversations. You know, that means free agents, that means trades, uh, that means looking again what we have internally. And so we're going to have to come up with a, uh, a better version of what we ended with. That's the job. So we're trying to assess, you know, really what our realistic options are. And so time will tell how that plays out. But I've talked to all of them, yes. All right. So he's spoken to all of them, Gordon. They, I would hope so. With all of them. So, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I want you to be talking to everybody. You know, he's talking to all of them, so that's a good thing. That's what you want. You want that's what you want your GM to do. Uh, I don't know if you really want him to talk to Correa, but he spoke to all of them, which is which is his job. That's great. Now, Buster Olney was on with the DNR this morning and says, "Well, you know, Larry just talking about Correa second story. Well, maybe the Yankees may not be all in on these highest price shortstops." From what I understand, they are queasy about the asking prices for Seager, Corey Seager, and Carlos Correa in particular. You know, the ask there are over $300 million and contracts of 10 years or more. And let's face it, part of the queasiness from the Yankees is the fact that their perspective, I think, on Aaron Judge has changed since a year ago when we all were asking the question, boy, how many games does he play? Can he stay on the field? Well, he did. And he had a fantastic season. And, and now I think he, you know, if he wasn't necessarily 100% rock solid, being someone the Yankees wanted to keep long-term a year ago, I think now he is becoming a priority, which is why I wouldn't all be surprised if they worked from the B tier of shortstops and, and, you know, the less expensive tier of shortstops. If you told me that Trevor Story was the Yankees shortstop on opening day next year, that wouldn't be a shock to me. How do you like that, Gordon? Would you take uh, Trevor Story of the three? Well, look, I mean, it depends on the price. Um, I, well, it's I, not going to be three hundred million. I'll tell yeah, you that. <laughs> I know, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a bargain basement either. I mean, no. it's going to be mm-hmm. a long term deal. He's a few years older. His splits away from Coors Field are not great. He's a right handed mm-hmm. hitter. Uh, it wouldn't. It's not the avenue. Now, look, if you don't have, I'm saying no to this. I don't have something that I would say yes to particularly. Gotcha. That out of mm-hmm. all the options, I, I don't really. I'm not in love with any of them. But, yeah, Trevor's story for, I don't know what it would be, eight years, you know, I'm sure it's going to be sizable money, near $200 million. 
uh, I think I could spend the money better elsewhere. And I would prefer if we're going to go that route, I would rather go improve first base, go get me Matt Olson, go take care of center field, go get me another starting pitcher, and then I can kind of make way with whatever at shortstop, a guy who's real good glove, maybe no bat. Mm-hmm. All right. That sounds good to me. I agree with you. Um, Clint Frazier, bye. Yeah. It's Sad. really crazy. It's crazy. And we'll continue it because we're up against the clock. We'll continue it next hour. But just the thought process, Gordon, that this year, the one year that he actually had the opportunity in middle of the year to get playing time in left field, finally, where they said, you know what, <laughs> Brett Gardner, sit down. <laughs> All right. Or you're playing center field too, so we need somebody in left field. This is before they started, you know, moving to, you know, Stanton to be able to play the outfield. For Clint Frazier, who has begged and pleaded for an opportunity and who fans loved, play Clint Frazier. We got to have Clint Frazier. Play Clint Frazier for him to not have this opportunity, Gordon, to, to, to be able to play this year at, at, this, at this particular time. It, it, it's really frustrating. I'll get your thoughts in a second. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Special Friday edition of ESPN New York Tonight. Thanks for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We're here until Anita Marks and the weekend wager at 10 p.m. tonight. First hour, we had a little baseball hot stove for you. Getting in, The weather's getting chilly. So we had a little hot stove with baseball, talked about the, the Mets and the final official hiring of uh, GM Billy Appler and some moves that the Yankees made today. And, Gordon, before we before the uh, sports center, we were talking about Clint Frazier. And I know you were one of the people that really wanted to give him the opportunity to play. So this has got to be kind of disappointing with his performance and the injuries that he couldn't stay on the field and missed an opportunity here. Well, we talked about Noah Syndergaard and how, you know, maybe going to the Angels is the fresh start his career needs. Maybe wherever Clint Frazier winds up next, and he'll wind up someplace, maybe that's what he needs. Um, This past year, even as big a fan of Clint Frazier as I am, he was brutal, and he really hasn't been able to stay healthy. But this past year, he had a slash line of 186, an on-base percentage of 317, and a slugging of 317. So uh, he was brutal. Uh, so th- there's no way around that. But you just take a look at a guy who in 2020 put up an OPS of 905. I mean, and this is not some guy that came out of nowhere. He was like the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. He was a big prospect to get when they made those deals with the Indians, uh, with Andrew Miller. So And you kept waiting And even the year before that, there were times where he kind of carried the offense for short periods of time, but he just never was able to – it never – like they talk about pitching lanes for the bullpen. Mm -hmm. We want to put – the lanes never worked towards Clint Frazier with the Yankees. It always was something. He was hurt. He had a tough time coming back from the head injuries that he had, and then this past year he was just brutal. So – I'm wishing him well. I'm sure he'll find a spot someplace else, and hopefully, I mean, he's still a young guy. He's only going to be 27 next year. It feels like he's yeah. been around a long time, but yeah, tough. I, I would think that the Yankees probably did want to keep him, but the crunch of the 40-man roster, it, it's one that they had to to make. And he was, I think, it, I saw the arbitration numbers for him next year was 2.4 million dollars. So that's mm-hmm. nothing. 
even for the Yankees, I guess that's nothing to sneeze at. They needed the spot, so they, they moved on from Clint Frazier, and I'm sure he will find someplace else to play. Does Do you think the fact that uh, Stanton played more outfield, they just said, you know what, we can't even keep him around for that scenario? Yeah, I just think that it was – I think it was the roster spot. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- this year was just so bad, right? I mean, it was just so bad. So they needed the roster spot. He's, uh, you know, he's getting more expensive as the years go by. So maybe they felt like it was the best thing for them. It was the best thing for him. He gets a fresh start someplace else. And um, look, the talent is there. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy. I mean, you see his bat speed. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's got a quick as bad as you can possibly have. But this was the year for him. Uh, yeah. And uh, the fact that it just never clicked, it never clicked for Andujar. And it just shows you, you know, like we discounted a lot of guys' struggles in 2020. Yeah. Some of the guys that had good 2020s, it's almost like those are the things that were actually being discounted by those teams. Like they didn't really believe in that year. It's almost like that one doesn't count that the last year was the real, uh, the real story. So maybe that tells you with the way that Glaber Torres struggled last year, Maybe the Yankees might be open to the possibility of moving him on. I, I know Brian Cashman or any GM doesn't like to to buy high or sell low. Mm-hmm. Cutting a guy after the year that Clint Frazier had, that's that's about as much uh, selling low. I think about all the different trade proposals that we've heard yeah. over the years with Clint Frazier, right? We yeah. go get this guy, put Clint Frazier in a deal for that guy, and at the end of the day, uh, he doesn't he doesn't go in any trade. <laughs> he just yeah. goes he just gets basically released. So, um, yeah, tough tough for him, and I'm sure uh, he'll find another spot. But um, it, it, I always say scouting your own team is the most important thing. The fact that this is the way this story ends for Clint Frazier with the Yankees shows you that the Yankees kind of messed that up a little bit. Before we look at the other moves the Yankees made in wrapping up our hot stove segment, Gordon, it, it, it's not the same scenario because he wasn't injured this year, but look at Conforto. Similar situation, right? Really good 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then this year in a walk year Ooh. where yeah, most bad. everybody performs in the in the year where they're signing their contract, even even if they do nothing afterwards, they always do well in the year where they sign their contract. This was probably one of his worst years ever. Similar yeah, situation. He a, yeah, he had a, te- a terrible year. And look, some guys, I guess that does kind of get to them. Um, mm-hmm. And it, they, you know, they put more pressure on themselves. The team was was up there for a little while, and then they they came down. I'm sure that put more pressure on him as well. Uh, he's a couple of years older, but yeah, I mean, his year was uh, was a tough one. Now it wasn't as bad as as Clint Frazier's, but it was not mm-hmm. good. Two thirty two, three forty four, three eighty four slugging, um, an OPS plus of one hundred one. So basically, a league average kind of player, but a, a guy who in now I always thought the twenty twenty for Conforto was a little bit that was the outlier, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to hit three twenty two again or anything mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. you know, I always kind of looked at Conforto as like a poor man's. In terms of production, a poor man's Bryce Harper. You know, exactly. he's not going to hit for the high average, nope. but he gets on base, he slugs, he plays a decent right field, he does strike out a bunch, but, you know, he puts up numbers across the board. Uh, but this past year, and I, I think clearly, weird things can happen in free agency. I think that if I had to put a, a bet on the Mets making any kind of move, Michael Conforto not being back with the Mets would be number one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that ship is sailed. The door's locked. Yeah, just like the lucky. And Larry holds the key. He's not. He's wearing (laughs) it around his neck. He's not. You're not coming back in here. No, uh-uh. I might. I might flush it down the toilet to make sure it doesn't come. <laughs> Especially <out>. with <laughs> Boris, because there's not going to be exactly. any budget. There's no budget to you know. There's no discounts with Scott Boris, so I'm not sure that all. wherever he does wind up, it'll be 
it'll be expensive. Not at all. Now, now Gordon, if you're Rugnit Odor, what are you saying right now? Oh, they didn't God. even pay my salary, and they don't want me back. Right. <laughs> yeah. He still has a few more years. Look, and, and you know what? Odor was a weird player in that, like, he came up at a very young age, an age where most – you know, if you're playing in the major leagues at the age of 20, mm-hmm. that's a great sign for you having it generally is. a long career. But the strikeouts, the the lack of being able to put the bat on the ball, and, mm-hmm. and for all the complaints that we had, we had, everyone had about the Yankees – you know, not being able to to play to contact a little bit. I mean, Rugden Odor, he is the the poster. Now he did have some big home runs had, at he times. Some, he'll run into a ball every him. once yeah. in a while, and mm-hmm. he'll and he'll act like he does it on a regular basis. I mean, he'll stand at the plate and admire it as as well as anybody ever has. He will he will uh, stare down a home run. But uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he was not. I think I'm I'm on record as saying Rugnid uh, Rugi was not one of my favorite players. <laughs> and, now Wade uh, Tyler Wade surprised me, Gordon, not as much as Clint Frazier, but I thought near the end of the year, especially in the postseason, he proved to be pretty valuable. Well, look, he he will he will catch on someplace else too. Absolutely. The problem is he can't hit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. He can do a lot of other things. He can play a bunch of positions. He can steal you a base. He was an absolute weapon there, and he mm-hmm. turned into be like the Yankees like secret weapon when they needed a pinch runner to -hmm. come and steal a base and get into scoring position and and score a run. He did that a bunch this past year, but you know that it's late in spring training when you would hear the reports of boy, Tyler Wade is ripping, it's tearing the cover off the ball down in spring training. And then it seemed like every year the season would start, he would get opportunities and he just wouldn't hit. Yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. Well, hopefully they'll move on and the next opportunity will be a better one for them. I would not be shocked that if they can bring him back, that they will find a way. He's one of those guys that they love. Yeah, they love yeah. Tyler. They love find anyone in your life who loves you like the Yankees love Tyler Wade. <laughs> he'll be and doing it, all right. You're right. If he clears waivers, he'll be back. So yeah, just, you know, send him down and bring him back up. That's all. No problem. I think he's also out of minor league options, so maybe that was another factor yeah. for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because he can't hit. Yeah. <laughs> and and look, hit, he up. had plenty of opportunity. Like all these guys, they had plenty of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They did. Uh, I really, you know, really haven't uh, thought about it. Didn't realize it until recently. But you know, we'll, we'll, we're preparing for for this week. Each game's different. Each game's a different opportunity. So you know, look to look to uh, prepare for this one. Daniel Jones, Gordon, on being zero and seven in prime time. <laughs> Is that all? He, he sounds so much like Eli. He really yeah, well, does. I mean, these he they're, they're really covered in the does. same cloth. I mean, that's oh. one of the reasons I think that the Giants, that was their guy, right? Yeah, he really does. Welcome back. It's ESPN New York tonight, special edition on the Friday on 98.7 ESPN. And, Gordon, we turn our attention to the Giants on the Friday night. And, you know, it, it's so weird about this NFL season. We talk about injuries, and injuries are always a factor. There's no question about it. And it just seems like, okay, so the defense has been playing well. The offense has had, has had injuries. Well, now it looks like I don't think Saquon's going to play. I mean, I don't know. He's had limited participation all week. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, tomorrow because they play Monday night. So we'll get a, a injury report tomorrow. But now there's injuries on the defense and other things. And Logan Ryan is probably going to be out with COVID. And, you know, defensively, this is where the team has played pretty well. Offensively, they're getting their weapons back, Gordon. So I think this could be an interesting game on Monday night. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the time of year generally where the Giants start to play uh, a little bit better. They are now they're not going to be 100 percent health wise, but they're going to be healthier than they've been. That's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. So when you take a look at the landscape of, uh, you know, the NFC, the playoff picture, it's not crazy to think that the Giants could at least work their way back into the conversation. They do have a bunch of of winnable games still to come. And if they can get healthier and play better and kind of follow what happened last year, right? Like they got mm-hmm. off to the brutal start last year, second half of the season, people are getting all riled up. Now, I don't know necessarily that this is the game that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> that's going to happen because mm-hmm. the Buccaneers have lost two in a row. And you'd think that uh, after losing two in a row at home, I think last week was kind of a fluky game for, for Brady with the interceptions and that type of stuff. So I would expect them to come out flying high, but, can the Giants keep it close? I guess if that's the goal. I mean, think how far the Giants have fallen that we're sitting here and saying, well, the Giants might be able to keep it close. Yeah. And that that's like a good thing. I, I would be interested to see if Saquon plays because mm-hmm. it seemed like that was the way things were lining up. And now there's some uncertainty again. And it just shows you, man, wow, you just this guy, you just cannot you can't rely on him health wise. Yeah. I'm not blaming him, but boy, oh boy, the amount of time this guy has missed. It's incredible. But it you know, really you is. take a look at the Giants second half, they still have to play the Eagles twice, which you would think that those are you know, winnable games. They still mm-hmm. play the Dolphins again. They play Washington, who they always seem to beat. The Bears, they're not uh, any great shakes. So they have some winnable games here. They can at least make things a little bit more respectable, but um yeah, this is I don't know necessarily that this is the game that I see the win streak starting. I agree. Logan Ryan weighs in on what the strategy will be against Tom Brady. Don't let him look me in the eyes, man. He can look <laughs> you in the eyes. And don't look in his eyes. No, I mean it's just what is he seeing? He he studies everybody really well. He knows players' tendencies. He has tips and tells out there that are just minute details. So all the little things matter, which way uh, you look pre-snap, you know, your mannerisms and man versus zone. I mean, the littlest thing, like I talk about disguise every week, but it's important this week that our star knows how to disguise, that our DNs make sure to disguise, the linebacker can tip the whole defense, and we might not have noticed that until we played Tom Brady. So every little nuance is something that he can pick up on. You can't chase ghosts. You just have to do a good job of playing complimentary football, and it's just a challenge every single play because he's going to come back at you every single play. Whether he's down, he's up. Yeah, that that that's the way he is. And coming off a 29-19 loss to Washington on the road, they are home. And Gordon, uh, just some notes. Brady has 1,277 pass yards. That's an average of just over 319 yards per game and 18 touchdowns with only two picks for 120.6 rating and four home starts this season. So he loves it in the sunshine. Yeah, uh, he's, he. I don't know necessarily that it was the first place that he wanted to go, but boy, oh boy, he picked the perfect place. And I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's the MVP this year. I know until recently he was on pace to throw for 5,000 yards. I know. He was on pace to maybe set the touchdown passing record for a single season at his age. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Crazy. It's incredible. It and, you know, um, Richard Manhattan, brought up a point uh, a couple of weeks ago. Could you imagine what it would be like a Super Bowl of the Bucks versus the Patriots? Mm-hmm. 
Mm. He, he, he mentioned to me at the time, would that be bigger than Ali Frazier? I said, I, I wasn't alive for Ali Frazier, but I think I was alive, but you know, I was not aware of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the, in the, in the, the, the knowing what it was at the time. Uh, it would be insane. I mean, every, every Super Bowl is so overdone. I don't know if you could come up with a storyline that would be ever more overdone than Belichick <laughs> back in the Super Bowl with the yeah. Brady clone, Mac Jones, mm-hmm. and the Buccaneers, Brady going back to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Those two weeks would be unbearable. And defending him. What is Belichick going to do? Oh. What does Belichick take away? <laughs> who knows him? Who knows Brady better than Belichick? And then, but who knows Belichick better than Brady going against oh all the different God. defenses? He's seen every defense Belichick has come up with. You, Gordon, you, you, you'd have to leave the country. Oh, you'd have to. I mean, the two <laughs> weeks up until the Super Bowl are always unbearable. Think about what it was like for the regular season game this year. I know. Oh, right. it was just overdone to death. Could you imagine if that actually took place? Wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady is – I mean, I, nobody needs to say it anymore. He's absolutely incredible. The Giants have seemed to have a, a good beat on him in the past, you know, with the Super Bowls. But even last year, they played that that, that game, and that was at MetLife. Mm-hmm. That was a tight game. I think it was a Monday night game. Uh, it was a tight game uh, right down to the wire. And that was one of those games that people thought to themselves, oh, you know what, maybe the Giants can do a little something here in this second half because they were able to play the Buccaneers tough. But it's interesting. Right now, it's completely wide open in the NFL. Like, there's no team that you would say to yourself, oh, absolutely, this team, they're just going to roll from this point on. And you take a look at the Buccaneers last year. It was right around this time. They were, I don't know, they weren't 500. Maybe they were a game or two over, but they had some bad losses. They had gotten blown out in some games, and then they started winning and winning and winning, and they didn't stop winning. So some team is going to be like this that this year. It could be the Bucks. It could be somebody else. But um, very dangerous team for the Giants to be playing on Monday night. Very dangerous. And Logan Ryan knows that Brady gets motivation from anything. I mean, people crack me up when they say, oh, he's coming off a loss. How is he going to come? I mean, this guy, anything can set him off in terms of uh, wanting to win. I think he's best his best off of big wins. He's his best off of big losses. I mean, anything motivates this guy. He prepares really hard. So you have to do the homework and really be willing to accept the test and the challenge. Yeah, he and you know the comments from Bruce Arians didn't help. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think <laughs> didn't so. Help. It seems didn't like help. a weird marriage there. You know, it does right? The two of them it does. Yeah, it's weird, but you know, listen. Uh, as long it as he keeps winning, they're good. Right, they're yeah, good. Yeah. That's the bottom yeah. line. And, you know, uh, I guess uh, Antonio Brown won't be there. (laughs) Well, what's going on with that? Like, do we know whether or not it was a a fake card? Because it seems like everything the team is saying is that it wasn't a fake card. Yeah, that's what the team is saying. Uh, Bruce Arians say in the the top of the hour in the sports center, we're doing our due diligence and uh, we have official that that didn't happen. It's not even the story. Uh, But I tell you, let's let's see what the video plays because we know the cameras are there. Right, the cameras are in the locker rooms and every place else. I don't know whether it's a true story or not, but like if you were going to create a lie, that would be the like if we picked a list of people that you would say, "Hey, this is what happened." Who do you think was involved? Uh, I mean, Antonio Brown would probably be pretty up high up on the list. So let's see what ends up happening. Uh, They're down some weapons as well, the Buccaneers. So we'll see. Especially, especially when it's a former. 
employee, right? Like a cook or yeah, somebody else who, who we has a history that he has not right. paid, allegedly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that would be the guy. That would be the guy. I want to hear from the Giant fans, Gordon. 1-800-919-3776. What do you guys think about this game on Monday night? Do you believe you still have a shot at the postseason? As bad as this team has looked, as, as ineffective as the offense has been, you win Monday night. Gordon, you're right back in the conversation for postseason berth in the East. And I would be kind of puzzled, and I don't know. I'm not a Giant fan. Like, what do Giant fans want? Do you want yes. another second-half run like last year that ah, – I mean, like last year at least you had the division. The division doesn't seem like it's a real possibility. And is it enough to just be like, well, we're kind of part of the playoff conversation, even though you're not really, because being part of that playoff conversation – that could impact just how much change the Giants actually undergo after this season. If you don't like your general manager, you want to lose. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like that means he won't be back. Right. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to have something where the team can kind of portray it as well? See, we're making progress. We went nine and eight this past year. Nine and eight is dangerous because nine yes. and eight might allow them to say, you know what? We just need an extra year. We just need an extra off season. Nine and eight was not the goal for anybody coming into this season. Nope, not at all. Maybe the Jets. It's a Friday edition of ESPN New York tonight. Until 10 o'clock, Hardesty and Damer at 1-800-919-3776. Want to hear from the Giant fans. What do you think will happen, and is this a good thing? Is a win what you really, really want? And, it's, and Gordon, before we get to the calls, it's tough because – Listen, you're rooting for your team. You don't want to root for your team to lose. Okay, you really don't under normal circumstances. But in this case, do, do you want to be in the middle of the pack? Because that really doesn't help you. Yeah, I know you got the two draft choices from Chicago. I get it. But the rest of the draft, it, it doesn't really help you if you're in the middle. You want to be either really bad or you you don't want to be bothered with dealing with the draft. If you're really yeah, look, I, I always feel like it's impossible for me to root against my team, even though during games, it's impossible for me to root against my team. But I know when I have some, you know, quiet time or I'm thinking about the direction of the organization moving forward, that there's times, especially with this Giants team, like what has been a giant flaw of the Giants? It's been loyalty, right? Like not yeah. making the moves when you know you should probably giving it an extra year and now we're where we're at. And um, so if they do go on like this second half run and they get to kind of be like eight and nine or maybe even nine and eight, I would think you'd have to probably win this game to be at nine and eight. Right. Um, but, you know, is that something you're going to want to deal with? Because then, like, just know that whatever changes are planned in the offseason, there are going to be fewer of them if you win more games in the second half. Absolutely. I would think. Absolutely. Let's see what Angelo and Richfield has to say on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Ange? Hey, guys. Um, Long-time Giants fan, and um, I, I know better than to get too hopeful with this team. <laughs> they've, uh, they've just let me down too many times, but a um, couple things. I mean, I love Saquon, but I'm done with this guy. I mean, mm. he just he's missed so much time, and we've invested so much capital in him, and I'm just, you know, done waiting for him. I, I gave up on Evan Ingram three years ago, but, you know, that, that's a different story. But part of me thinks, you know, at, at its worst, you know, let's just fire everybody, tear the whole thing down, and, and start from scratch. But more realistically, I think that if um, I'm, I, I'm okay with Judge, I do like Daniel Jones. I think he can be good. 
I'm okay with Gettleman, let's say, for one more season. I oh think Jason God. Garrett has got to go. You make that change, which is, again, more realistic. You're not tearing the whole thing down. This has been a bottom 10, bottom 5 offense for two years in a row now. And when you look at Dallas, who for the most part has maintained a lot of the same personnel from when Garrett was there. I mean, they lost Beasley, but, you know, they picked up C.D. Lamb. And that's a high-power offense right now with, with, you know, Dak and Geek and the offensive line, a lot of the same pieces. So I feel like if you get Jason Garrett out of here with the core that we have and, and the skill position group that we've assembled, you got to show up that line, that offensive line, obviously. But um, I think it can be a completely different team, just like Dallas was on defense from last year to this year with a new coordinator. Um, but if we get a new offensive coordinator for this team, I think we can be much better. We already have some pretty decent draft capital. You know, a slight change as opposed to tearing the whole thing down, I, and I think we'll be okay. The one Why do you want I, Gettleman back? Yeah, that's the one I don't get, Angelo. <laughs> Uh, I know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you said that you know, one. I couldn't even force myself not to react. <laughs> but my point is, if you get rid of Gettleman, he wants to bring his own head coach in, and he's going to want to bring his own QB in. So, that in effect, you will be tearing the whole thing down. So, again, if you don't want to go to that extent, I mean, I, it's just, you know, that, that's kind of my thought. All right, Angela, let me ask you one more thing that I'm curious. Are, are you happy with Joe Judge? Yeah. I feel like at this point, um, you know, new head coaches learn a lot on the job as they as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to give them a pass for you know some of these mistakes that you know whether it's like I'm Mister Discipline and everyone's got to run all the time and I don't care if you're hurt you still you know I think he'll he'll maybe grow out of that and and, and learn from some of his mistakes. So to answer your question, at this point I would have to say yes, uh, I'm willing to give him some more time. I think he's got a core of of uh, beliefs and, and um, you know, that, that can develop into him being a good coach. Okay, that's fair. Because then, then that's why you don't want to tear it down. Thanks for the phone call, Angelo. Because, that see, Gordon, it would be easy. If he was done with Joe Judge, then you right. then he might he might be more amenable to changing Gettleman, too, because then it'll be the way it's supposed to be. You know, the general manager comes in, brings the coach, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I, it's, it's really tough. I, I don't know that Gettleman deserves another shot, Gordon. I just don't know. It's hard. Uh, look, my favorite television show of all time is Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad has many great scenes, but the probably the greatest one is the uh, guy Mike Ehrmantraut telling Walter White, there are no more half measures, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no more half-weighing things. And I would feel like if I were a Giant fan, having seen what the pinnacle looks like, having seen what championships look like after these last five years, after these last ten years – that you would be saying to yourself, you know what, uh, no more half measures. And I have, I'm yet to see anybody who says, you know what, Joe Judge is a great coach or he's going to be a great coach for this reason or for that reason. I haven't seen it. Now, I'm not telling you he's necessarily the problem, mm-hmm. but I don't see where he's the answer either. Like the, like last year, they, they went 6-10. and 10. People were talking about how he's changing the culture. Okay, mm-hmm. what did they do this year? They started out, like whatever his plan is, it's not working until like the midway point of the season. And we don't even know if it's going to work this year, midway point of the season. They just got a, be- a bunch of bad teams that they play. Same thing as last year. They didn't turn anything really around last year. They just played a bunch of bad teams, a bunch of backup quarterbacks. So uh, I-, I don't see anything that has been all that great with the Giants. I would be more in-, in favor if I were a fan of more change. Now, I do think 
that whoever they do go with as a GM, even as a head coach, I think that the organization will want to stay with Daniel Jones. That's a guy that mm-hmm. think they they believe in. I, I've been on the record as saying, you know, just to get back to his original point, whenever Saquon's five-year deal, they've already picked up, I think, the fifth-year option, whatever yeah. that's up, I'm not investing any more money. I, I, can't, yeah. I, I, can't. I, I can already – like, I don't know necessarily that Daniel Jones is going to be a good quarterback, but I'm willing to find that out. I'm not willing to invest any more on Saquon Barkley at this point. He just doesn't stay on the field. No. And he might be a great running back, but, like, running backs we know, second deals are generally a, a mistake. Yeah. And, and especially with ones as hurt as – I mean, he's probably – has he missed as many games as he's played? He may have. It's got to be pretty close. It's got to be close. It's got to be close. He's been hurt ever since the first year. It just yeah. seems he just can't stay healthy. He, he just can't. And, and, and remember the first year he got hurt, they were like, no, you don't understand. Saquon has, like, superhuman healing powers. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard about those superhuman human healing powers anytime lately. No, he he just can't he just can't stay on the field. And the Joe Judge thing, what you see, he he followed a coach where the team really was undisciplined, a lot of penalties and whatnot. And last year he cut that back, but this year it's popped up again. Yeah, you and, know, and then so, look, I'm not putting the injuries on him. No, no, but no, like, no, no. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, like, if I'm just judging by what I'm seeing. I don't see where everybody's like, wow, he's doing such a good job with this or he's doing such a good job with that. The special teams have been a bit of a mess. The penalties continuing, you know, like where are these avenues where you're like, you know what? Joe Judge is really knocking it out of the park with this. Yeah. And then he kind of got off to the bad start, Gordon, where people were in camp retiring, say, we, you know, we're not going to want to be around and stuff. It was, it's just been weird. It, it's really been weird around the Giants this year. And the weirdest thing for me and I don't know how much Joe Judge has, you know, influence on this. But the weirdest thing for me has been this defense. Now, they've picked it up the past two, three weeks. But, Gordon, had they played like this the past two, three, right. this team would be in a better position than of they course. are right now. Why does it take half a season to figure it out? Why does it take half a season to figure it out? I don't get – look, for if, if it were me, I would be saying to myself, uh, I, I would think that this is like time to, to blow it up, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I want to do something different. This is, this is not working. And I get it. I don't necessarily put most of the blame on Joe Judge. I put most of it on the guy who's constructed the roster. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to change the guy who's constructing the roster, why am I going to marry the next guy to the guy who's the coach right now? Yeah. So I, exactly. I'd be more in favor if I, if I were a Giant fan of blowing it up. But, you know. I, I just tell you, and, you know, both teams are dealing with it. I mean, he's not fixed this offensive line yet. No. And talked about it the first day. We're gonna, you know, we're, we're you know, we're gonna bring it. And talked about the quarterback at that time. I think Eli still has more left in him. Did not. The offensive line still has not fixed that. Has spent. Think about all the resources they have yeah. used to fix that up. Draft picks, trades, mm-hmm. yeah. signings, money, and it's still, still not good. Still not as good as it should be. Fourth pick in the draft. I know. Still not as good as it should be. Both teams, but still. Oh, no. I mean, it's it's, 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 it's bad it's both brutal. places. Absolutely. It's brutal. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.